0: As-salamu alaykum wa أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله، A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir-rajiim. Bismillahirrahmanir-rahim. al rabbil-alamin. al rabbil-alamin. الرحمن الرحيم مالك Shahud, Tawuz, and Surah Al Fatiha,
1: Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, ayyadah Allah Ta'ala bin asr hil Aziz stated that during my concluding address at this year's Jalsa Salana UK, and also during the concluding addresses of the previous two to three Jalsas, I have mentioned the various rights granted by Islam to the different sections of society. And today I will continue with this subject and I will mention some further rights of various sections of society in light of the Holy Quran, the Ahadith i.e. the traditions of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and the guidance of the promised Messiah alayhi salatu was It is the establishment of these very rights that form the beautiful guiding principles that guarantee peace and harmony in society. And from these, we can learn how beautiful the teachings of Islam are, which grant rights to every section within a society. Allah the Almighty. Has given a very detailed commandment in relation to loans and mutual trade, so that the rights of every party are upheld. Hence, Allah the Almighty states This is a very detailed verse of the Holy Quran. And the translation of it is as follows O ye who believe, when you borrow one from another for a fixed period, then write it down, and let a scribe write it in your presence faithfully, and no scribe should refuse to write. Because Allah has taught him, so let him write, and let him who incurs the liability dictate, and he should fear Allah his Lord and not diminish anything therefrom. But if the person incurring the liability be of low understanding, or be weak, or be unable himself to dictate, then let someone who can watch his interest dictate with justice. And call two witnesses from among your men, and if two men be not available, than a man and two women, of such as you like as witnesses, so that if either of two women should err in memory, then one may remind the other. And the witnesses should not refuse when they are called, and do not feel weary of writing it down, whether it be small or large, along with its appointed time of payment. This is more equitable in the sight of Allah and makes testimony surer and is more likely to keep you away from doubts. Therefore, omit not to write except that it be ready merchandise which you give or take from hand to hand, in which case it shall be no sin for you that you write it not. And have witnesses when you sell one to another and let no harm be done to the scribe or the witness. And if you do that, then certainly it shall be disobedience on your part. And fear Allah, and Allah grants you knowledge, and Allah knows all things well. Thus, this is a very detailed and clear commandment of the Holy Qur'an, which not only enables one to partake in trade in the best manner, but also maintains the peace in society. there are many cases which come to light, wherein these principles have been overlooked. Either the witnesses are scared off and threatened, or those who are to write down the trade or loan are prevented from doing so, or it is not put in writing at all and no contract is made, and this then leads to fights and disputes. The people of developed nations of today have come to realise only now that legal steps should be taken and that everything should be formally documented. However, Islam gave a detailed commandment in relation to this 1400 years ago so that trade and mutual businesses can take place in an amicable manner without any disputes and without any kind of quarrels. Then how concerned should one be to pay off one's debt in relation to this, we find in the narrations an incident related by the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Abu Huraira, radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that an individual from the Bani Isra'il had requested a loan of a thousand ashrafis from another person belonging to the Bani Israel. Upon this, the individual said, that bring someone who can act as a witness, and thereafter I will give you the amount. To this he replied that Allah is sufficient as a witness. Upon this he then said that present your guarantor. And he again replied that Allah is sufficient as a guarantor. He then said that indeed you have spoken the truth, and so he gave him the money as a loan until an appointed time. In other words, he loaned him the money under the guarantee and testimony of Allah the Almighty. The person who took the loan travelled by sea and completed his work, And following this, he searched for a ship to return and thus reached the person within the time frame he had set. In other words, to return and be able to pay back the loan. However, he could not find any ship to sail on. And so in the end, he took a piece of wood, carved it and placed a thousand Ashrafis and a letter addressed to his friend inside it. He then covered that piece of wood and took it to the sea and said, O my Allah, You indeed are aware that I borrowed a thousand ashrafis from such and such individual. And he asked me for a guarantor and I said that Allah is sufficient as a guarantor and he was satisfied after hearing your name. He then asked me for a witness and I said that Allah is sufficient as a witness and he was satisfied after hearing your name. And I tried very hard to find a ship in order to send his money to him but was unable to find one. And now I hand this money over to you. And after saying these words, he placed the piece of wood into the sea, and it floated out into the sea. He then said there is no other way but to place my trust in Allah now. And so what was the outcome of placing his trust in Allah? Following this, he returned home, but remained in search for a ship to be able to return to his land. The person who lent him the money left his home one day to see if any ship was arriving with his money and whilst doing so, his sight fell on this piece of wood, which contained the money. He considered it to be firewood and brought it with him to his family. And when he cut it open, he found money and the letter inside it. And after some time, the individual whom he had lent the money to also arrived, and he brought a thousand dinar with him and said that by Allah, I did my utmost to search for a ship in order to return your money to you, but I was not able to find any ship except the one that I just came on. Upon this, the person who lent him the money said, that did you send an amount to me? He replied, that I tell you that I did not find a ship other than the one I just came in. Upon this, the lender said, that Allah has brought your money to me, which you sent enclosed in a piece of wood. Hence, you may return peacefully with these 1,000 Ashrafis. In this incident, we find that both parties were honest. This is the standard of faith and concern an individual ought to have for paying off their debt. And then on the other hand, the one who had loaned the money possessed such high level of faith that when Allah the Almighty had already granted him the means for the repayment of the loan, then he did not try to take more wealth by deceiving the other individual. Thus, these are the standards we must possess and it is through these standards that we can then perfect our faith and become those who fulfill their Pledge of Allegiance i.e. their birth. Thus, everyone among us who does business or takes loans must analyse themselves in this regard. Then Islam establishes the right of giving respite to those who have taken a loan. Hazrat Abu Hurairah ta'ala anhu narrates that the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said He who grants respite to a person who has taken a loan and is experiencing straitened circumstances, who remits his debt, will be given a place under the shade of God's throne on the day of judgment, and on that day there shall be no other shade except the shade of his throne. How excellent a guarantee is this for a believer who is concerned about attaining a place in the shade of God's throne. These are the matters which establish a beautiful society, yet many issues arise, And many disputes take place where people deceive one another or refuse or efforts are made to receive double the payment and this is why they resort to litigation. Therefore, these things should not take place in our society. Rather, we should establish a beautiful and pure society. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha narrates that the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him would often seek refuge from being in debt and from sin. I asked him that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, why do you often seek refuge from being in debt? He replied that one who is in debt utters falsehood and breaks his promise. Now the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, could never commit such acts. However, he was merely teaching a lesson and giving advice to his people that after taking a loan one should not lie or break their promise. Rather, they should speak the complete truth when taking a loan and to also keep their intentions pure. There are many people who when they possess the means to pay off their debt act evasively and utter lies upon lies. Therefore, every person in debt must realize their responsibilities.
2: Whilst giving a
1: solution to become free from debt and to pay it off swiftly, the promised Messiah stated that if one has trust in Allah the Almighty and praise to Him, then Allah shall grant one the means to be free from debt and to pay it off quickly. Once a person sought prayers from the promised Messiah in relation to his debt and stated that I have a lot of debt, pray that it is paid off. There are many who write for prayers that their debts are paid off and the promised Messiah answered that seek forgiveness profusely this is the way for a person to be alleviated of their sorrows, and i.e., seeking forgiveness is the key to success. What was the noble example of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him when it came to fulfilling a debt? Once, a Jew came to whom the Holy Prophet peace be upon him owed a debt, and he started to use harsh words, and even though the period for paying of the debt had not yet been completed and there was still some time to fulfill it, The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, even then apologised and sent a companion to go to a person and take a loan from him in order to pay off the debt of the Jew. When the Jew was using harsh words, the companions became enraged with him and some of them were prepared to punish him. However, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that do not say anything to him. I have to pay off his debt and it is his right to ask it of me. Whilst explaining this incident, the promised Messiah wasallam writes that when this incident took place, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had become the ruler over Medina and the neighboring areas. And the entire area was under the rule of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he governed there. And so every person can understand how great a sacrifice of honor it was for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to tolerate the harshness of this Jew. Hence, The resulting effect of this was that after witnessing such humility and level of justice of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that very same Jew became a Muslim. The importance of ensuring one pays off their debts is evident from the following narration, in which it is stated that it was morning time when people were carrying a deceased on their shoulders. The family members requested the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to offer the funeral prayer of this deceased. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked, did this person have any outstanding debts? They replied that he owned only two dinars. Such was the poverty of these people that they could not afford to even pay off two dinars. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, refused to offer the funeral prayer and said that they themselves could lead the funeral prayer of this individual. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would not lead the funeral prayer for one who was in debt. Hazrat Ali ta'ala was also present at the time and felt that perhaps the deceased individual would remain deprived of the blessings of the prayers of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And so he quickly said that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, I shall take the responsibility for paying the two dinars and the deceased is relieved of this debt. Hence, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, offered his funeral
2: prayer. Then
1: the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to Hazrat Ali radiallahu JazakAllahu Khayrah, and may Allah reward you with goodness, and may Allah the Almighty free you of your debts, just as you did so for this brother of yours. Every deceased has made a pledge as a result of their debt, and whoever alleviates a deceased of their debt, Allah the Almighty shall free them of their debt on the Day of Judgment. Hence, this is the importance of repaying one's debts, and this is the standard that behoves a true believer, whereby they have sympathy for others who have to pay off their debt. Hazrat Ali r.a. showed sympathy so that the deceased was not deprived of the prayers of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. And this is also the responsibility of the one in debt as they should be concerned about paying it off and strive their best to pay the debt off on time rather than trying to delay it. Then, how would the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, assist those in debt, especially those who made sacrifices for their faith? In relation to this, Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah Ansari radiallahu ta'ala narrates that his father was martyred during the Battle of Uhud, leaving behind six daughters. Likewise, he had some debt to pay off as well. When the time came to harvest the dates from his orchard, he said, that I went to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and said that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, you are aware that my father was martyred during the Battle of Uhud, and he left behind a lot of debt, and I desire for you to come, and perhaps upon seeing you, those who loan the money may remit the debt somewhat. In other words, they may reduce it and give a concession. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that, all right, go and place all of your ripe dates in separate piles. Therefore, he says that I returned and did as the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed. I then went to call the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. But when the lenders saw the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had come there, they began to ask me even more strictly to pay off the debt. And when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, witnessed this from them, he walked around the largest pile of days three times, and he then sat on top of the pile and said, call your lenders. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then began to give the correct measure from this pile to whoever was owed until Allah the Almighty fulfilled all of the debt my father owed. By God, I was happy for all of my father's debt to be paid off, even if there remained not even a single date for me to take to my sisters. However, the pile all remained as they were due to the prayers of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And by God, I was looking at the pile which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was sat upon And it was as if not a single date had been taken from it. Hence, this was the kindness the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had for the children of those who had offered sacrifices in the way of their faith. And he prayed for them, and the debt was also paid off. It was not the case that he told the lenders to come back and take it another time. Rather, he paid it off, and the children also received their share of the wealth. Then Islam establishes the rights of the general public and after mentioning the rights of worship Allah Almighty then mentions the rights of the general public which include the rights of parents, relatives and of every level of society. Allah Almighty states and when we took a covenant from the children of Israel you shall worship nothing but Allah and show kindness to parents and to kindred and orphans and the poor and speak to men kindly and observe prayer and pay the zakat then you turned away in aversion, except a few of you.
2: By giving this example, the Muslims
1: have been told to adhere to this instruction. Hence, all forms of rights have been mentioned here. The beauty is that these are not limited only to close relations and relatives, or to a limited section of society, or those who are deprived. Rather, The commandment is to treat all of humanity with kindness and to fulfill their rights. This is the beautiful teaching that can ensure peace in the world. The believers of previous prophets forgot their teachings. However, Muslims have been instructed not to forget this. Rather, they must always be mindful of it. And as for us, who have also accepted the Imam of this age, who through the revival of Islam informed us once again about the teachings of Islam, and took an oath from us the bad to adhere to these very teachings
2: then this commandment applies to us how does
1: Islam protect the rights of all people and how does it respect and honour others irrespective of their religion and how are even the deceased honoured in Islam in relation to this Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah narrates that a funeral procession was passing by and the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him stood up and we also stood up we then asked that O oh, Messenger of Allah peace be upon him This was the funeral procession of a Jewish person. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that whenever you see a funeral procession, you should stand. What difference does it make, irrespective of whether it was a Jewish person or not? If a funeral procession is passing by, then you must stand out of respect. The clerics in Pakistan, along with the government, raised the slogan of Islam today and proclaimed to be the followers of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And despite this being the commandment of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Yet they exhume deceased Ahmadis from their graves, and they hinder their funerals from taking place or from their burials taking place. And this is their condition, and this is why the country is in this state. If only these people saw reason. Then Hazrat Anas ta'ala anhu relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said "Then none of you can be considered a believer until they prefer for their brother that which they prefer for themselves. This is an excellent example for fostering love and affection And the fulfilment of rights of others. In light of this, can there still be unrest in society, where one strives to fulfill the rights that they owe and strives to fulfil the rights of their brothers? What are those rights? They are to like for others that which one likes for themselves. Abu Nazar narrates that the following narration was relayed to him by someone who heard the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, say in a sermon during the days of the that, O people, there is no doubt that your Lord is one. And your father is one. Listen well, an Arab does not have superiority over a non Arab, and nor does a non Arab have superiority over an Arab. A white person does not have superiority over a black person, and nor does a black person have superiority over a white person, save on the basis of righteousness. Thus, if there is no superiority, then all people exist as brothers, and we should respect one another. Such a commandment cannot be found in any other religion. Then the Promised Messiah salam, has emphasized this matter in his conditions for the oath of allegiance, i.e., the Ba'ath. In the fourth condition of the Ba'ath, it highlights how the rights owed to one another and humanity at large are to be fulfilled. Under the fourth condition, the Promised Messiah salam, states that to the creation of Allah generally, and Muslims specifically, one does not cause any kind of undue harm on account of their natural impulses neither by tongue, nor hand, or by any other means. The Promised Messiah further states, Showing kindness and compassion to all people is a great form of worship, and this is an excellent means for attaining the pleasure of Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah further states, However, I have observed that a great deal of weakness is shown in this aspect. Others are looked down upon, and they are mocked. It would be quite the feat on their part if they were to simply even ask about the well-being of others or help others in times of difficulty. Thus today it is our duty to establish the highest standards of compassion for others and then spread these same standards and inform the world. The promised Messiah further states, Morals are the true adornment of any progress. And according to my understanding, this is the very aspect of fulfilling the rights of others which strengthens the aspect of fulfilling the rights of Allah. If one exhibits high morals, then they are able to fulfill the rights of others. And when they fulfill the rights of others, then the rights owed to Allah the Almighty are also strengthened. And this draws one's attention towards Allah the Almighty. The promised Messiah continues, One who treats others with good morals, then God does not let their faith go to waste. When a person does something for the sake of God's pleasure and is compassionate towards their weak brother, then this sincerity strengthens their faith. However, it should be remembered that morals that are exhibited simply for show and ostentation are not morals for the sake of God Almighty. Morals should not be for mere show. Rather, a voice should emanate from the heart, i.e. compassion should develop within the heart. The Promised Messiah further states, If morals are not for the sake of God Almighty, and they are bereft of sincerity, then they render no benefit. Otherwise, there are many who build guest homes. However, the actual purpose is to simply gain fame. If one does something for the sake of God Almighty, then regardless of how small it may be, Allah the Almighty does not let it go to waste and grants reward. I have read in Tazkiratul awliya that a Waliullah, a saintly person, said that once it rained and continued for days. And during these rainy days, I saw an 80-year-old pagan placing seeds on his roof for the birds. And I thought to myself that he is a disbeliever and the actions of disbelievers go in vain anyways. And I asked him whether this action of his would yield any reward. Upon this, the pagan replied that yes, certainly there will be. The same Waliullah i.e. the saintly person then states that once when I went for Hajj, I saw that very same person circling the Kaaba and the old man recognized me and said that you see did i not receive a reward for those seeds in other words those very seeds became the means of him accepting islam it was because of this virtuous act that allah the almighty enabled me to accept islam it is also mentioned in hadith that a companion asked the holy prophet peace be upon him that in the days of ignorance i spent a great deal in charity Will I be rewarded for it? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, The fact that you have become a Muslim is the fruit resulting from that very charity. Thus, this shows that God Almighty does not let even a small action done sincerely go to waste. And this also shows that showing compassion to others and asking about their well-being becomes a means of safeguarding the rights that are owed to Allah. Therefore, Being compassionate to the rest of creation is something which if one abandons and moves away from, then they slowly start turning into beasts. This is the very basis of a person's humanity, and one can continue being considered a human so long as they are kind-hearted and are good in their treatment of others and do not allow for any sort of discrepancy in this regard. The Promised Messiah states,
2: that whosoever
1: killed a person who did not kill an innocent person or kills a person who did not act rebelliously to disturb the wider peace of society nor created discord within the earth then it is as if he has killed all of humanity in other words unjustifiably killing someone is tantamount to killing all of humanity in the sight of God These verses make apparent the gravity with which Islam regards the crime of unjustly killing someone. These days, the extremist Muslims remain engrossed in needless bloodshed. Whether it's the Taliban or others, are they serving Islam? These people are defaming Islam. They are spreading disorder and usurping the rights of others. And this is exactly why they are in the grasp of Allah the Almighty's chastisement. Whether they see reason or not, and whether they understand or not, they have already become subject to being seized by Allah the Almighty. The promised Messiah states, Achievement of the excellence of faith consists of just two components, one honouring the commandments of God and two kindness towards God's creation. The first essentially relates to one's heart and to God. That is, the first has to do with the heart and God Almighty that is, to uphold the greatness of God's commandments and to understand and recognize and act upon them. These are the matters that have to do with one's heart, and no one can recognize it right away. And the second pertains to people. The morals of a man are visible from the very start. Therefore, excellence in morals is verily a magnificent and weighty miracle. Many examples can be found in the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, where people accepted Islam simply because of the excellence of his morals. It is reported that once a polytheistic Christian guest came and the companions wanted to host him, but the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that the Christian would be his guest and he would bring his meals. And so the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, took this polytheist to his home as a guest and treated him with great hospitality, serving him with the very best food and providing him a pleasant place to stay and comfortable bedding to spend the night. The guest developed indigestion from overeating and kept relieving himself in the same room all night long and soiled the room and the bedding. Out of embarrassment he got up early in the morning and left when it was still dark. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him felt very sorry when he could not find him anywhere despite looking for him. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him started washing the soiled sheets with his own blessed hands and while he was doing this the guest returned because he had forgotten a very precious cross of his. And upon seeing him returning, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, became greatly pleased and did not express any annoyance. Rather, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, treated him with respect and courtesy and graciously retrieved the cross for him. And the man was so moved by this incident that he accepted Islam right there and then. There are many other similar instances reflecting his high standards of moral conduct. The fact is, that the wondrous nature of one's morals are a major proof of one's truthfulness. And indeed, it is these very moral excellences which every Ahmadi ought to demonstrate. These are the standards which we need to attain in this day and age. The promised Messiah states It is our principle to have sympathy for the whole of mankind. If a person sees that a fire has broken out in the house of a Hindu neighbor and he does not get up to help put it out, I tell you truly that he is not of me. And if one of my followers sees a Christian being killed and he does not go to his rescue, then I tell you very truly that he is not of us. The promised Messiah further states, Islam is not answerable for the immoral people of this nation. Some people resort even to killing children in their greed for a single rupee. Such crimes are often committed due to one's selfish desires. In light of this, the members of my community in particular have converged upon me to learn the ways of goodness and abstinence from sin. They have not come to me to learn the work of thieves and criminals in an effort to ruin their faith. I say it on oath and in truth that I have no enmity with any people. I do, however, desire as far as possible to reform their beliefs. The Promised Messiah had no animosity for humankind and only desire to reform their thoughts and beliefs. If anyone abuses me, I refer my complaint to God and to not to any other court, despite all this, it is our obligation to have sympathy with the whole of
2: mankind. <laughs> In the
1: history of Islam, what efforts have the Khulafa made towards fulfilling the rights of humankind? We find brief details about the efforts made in the time of Hazrat Umar in the following manner. That Hazrat Umar made great strides towards the betterment and well-being of humankind. He constructed canals to facilitate farming and provide water for the benefit of the people. The canal of Abu Musa, which was nine miles long, was constructed from the Dajla River to Basra and the Markal Canal was also dug from the Dajla River. And upon Hazrat Umar's instruction, the Amirul Mu'mineen Canal was also built, which connected the River Nile to the Red Sea. In 18 Hijri, when a drought came upon Arabia, Hazrat Umar wrote to Hazrat Amr bin Al-As for aid and because the distance was great, there was a delay in the arrival of aid. Hazrat Umar summoned Amr and said, connect the River Nile to the sea so that there is never another drought in Arabia. After returning, Amr had a canal constructed from the Red Sea to Fustat, which allowed ships to travel to Jeddah from Medina's harbour. This canal was 29 miles long and was prepared within a span of six months. Hazrat Amr bin As intended to connect the Mediterranean Sea and the Red Sea which were 70 miles apart by constructing a canal close to Firma. However, for fear that pilgrims would be looted by the Greek, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu did not agree to this plan. However, if permission was given to Amr bin Allah, then the credit for the Suez Canal would have gone to the Arabs. Furthermore, Hazrat Umar also had various buildings constructed for the benefit of the people. Today, it is said that Europe provides such amenities to people. In fact, these amenities were first given to the people by Islam, and Islam established their rights. And if today Muslim governments learn from this and begin to act upon this, then their internal discord would be resolved. Among the structures constructed by his Umar, there were mosques, judicial courts, army barracks, offices which worked on a national level for the betterment of the country, roads, bridges, guest residences, security outposts, homes and so on. In all the places along the route between Mecca to Medina, there were water wells, shelters and
2: outposts.
1: And to fulfil the rights of the people, sometimes it becomes permissible for the government to become involved in market pricing. In Islam, it is impermissible to lower the price of goods below the usual rate because this can harm other businesses and lead to unrest. And this has been explained in detail by Hazrat Muslim Maud ta'ala Anhu in the following words. He writes, Islam has prohibited the lowering of prices to an unjustified rate. Dropping prices is an unlawful means of earning income. Through this, wealthier merchants can force lesser merchants to sell their goods at a lower price, ultimately causing them to go bankrupt. There is an incident from the time of Hazrat Umar allah that once he was visiting the market when he saw a foreign trader selling dried grapes at a very low price. The traders in Medina could not afford to sell them at the same rate. Hazrat Umar instructed that trader to either remove his goods from the market or to sell at the same appropriate price rates as the other traders of Medina. When Hazrat Umar رضي allah was asked about the reasoning behind his instruction, he said, That if this trader was permitted to sell like this, then the traders of Medina who are selling their goods for an appropriate price will suffer loss. Undoubtedly, in contrast to Hazrat Umar's instruction, some companions cited the words of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, when he said, that you should not interfere in the market's rates. However, it was wrong of them to object to this, because to not interfere in the market's rates actually means to not interfere in the supply and demand of goods. Doing so would undoubtedly be detrimental and governments should refrain from this. This would not benefit the people and would lead to the ruin of traders. However, this does not at all impact the prices of goods. This is the extent to which Islam imparts teachings to establish the rights of society. Then there are also the rights of the government and its citizens. Allah the Almighty states That is, O ye who believe, obey Allah and obey His Messenger and those who are in authority among you. And if you differ in anything among yourselves, refer it to Allah and His Messenger. If you are believers in Allah, and the last day. That is best and most commendable in the end. The promised Messiah states, The term, those who are in authority, refers to a king in the physical sense and the Imam of the age in the spiritual sense. In the physical sense, it also refers to anyone who is not opposed to our objectives and from whom we can derive religious benefits. In other words, if the governments of these western nations accommodate us, And allow us to integrate and fulfil our rights and permit us to preach, and their laws and policies are not opposed to the fundamental teachings of Islam, then in such a case, to abide by the laws and policies of such a government is necessary and there should be no unlawful practices taking place, and nor should one consider themselves free to do as they please, because they are under a kafir government. It is an injunction of Islam to obey the Amir, i.e., the leader. However, it has also ensured that you do not deviate from the fundamental teachings of Islam. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates, that once the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sent an army, and appointed someone as its leader. The leader started a fire and commanded everyone to jump into it. Some people were intending to jump into it, whereas others expressed that they were fleeing from it. In other words, they questioned as to why they should go into the fire. And so they refused and returned back. This incident was mentioned to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And to those who intended to go into the fire, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, that if you had entered the fire, then you would have remained therein until the Day of Judgment. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then praised the others who refused to obey and said that one should not be obedient to committing the disobedience of Allah the Almighty. That is, if your leader commands you to do a thing that Allah the Almighty has clearly commanded you against, then you should be obedient to the clear and unequivocal instruction of Allah the Almighty. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, further said that one should only be obedient to that which is maruf. In other words, you must be obedient to your leader if he commands you in light of the commandment of Allah Almighty and his Prophet. If your leader does not submit to them, then obedience to him is not incumbent upon you because suicide is unlawful and it is not maruf. Maruf is defined as abiding by the clear teachings of God Almighty. Furthermore, What are the responsibilities of a government? In this regard, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II radiallahu ta'ala delivered an address. He states, The first responsibility that Islam places upon a government is to benefit its people, work in their interest, fulfill their needs, unite them, inculcate morals, protect them, create means for their livelihood and housing. All of these tasks are the government's responsibility. Thus the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, states that every one of you is like a shepherd who grazes his goats and livestock and you are accountable for all the people and things entrusted to you. A king is entrusted with the kingdom of people and he is responsible and accountable for them in every way. And every man is entrusted with a family which he is responsible for. A man is responsible for his home and also his wife and children. Thus it is wrong to say that women should work to provide for the house or for women to refuse the reasonable instructions of their husbands. If men lead by example, then they will be able to establish peace and solace in their homes. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, continues, A man is responsible and accountable for his family. A servant is entrusted with his master's property and wealth. In a similar vein, those who are employed, and most people do work as employees, should work faithfully because they are responsible and accountable for their work. From this instruction, it is evident that each and every one of you is a shepherd in your own scope, or a guardian or a supervisor of sorts. No one is free from this. From a servant to a king, every single person is responsible for their tasks and they will be brought to account for them. And from this injunction, it is clear that Islam has likened a king to a shepherd in that he is entrusted. Thus, he is responsible for keeping the herd united, preventing it from scattering, and protecting it from wolves, looking after its well-being, and providing it with food and shelter. In short, he must fulfil all of its needs. In the same manner, an Islamic government must protect the people in its jurisdiction from conflict and discord, It must prevent them from being cruel to one another, and protect against foreign attacks. It must look after all of its people's needs, whether the needs pertain to education, upbringing, food, housing, health or anything else. Thus, if our Muslim government becomes mindful of these principles, then these disorders, unrest, protests, coups, strikes and wars which occur every so often will no longer take place. If only the Muslim leaders were to follow the Islamic commandments. This is a general teaching. However, aside from this, there is also some detailed commandments in that the Muslim government is responsible for providing every individual with food, clothing and shelter. These are very basic needs which the government has been made responsible to provide. And if they fail to safeguard that which they have been made responsible for, then that thing cannot survive. Thus, Allah the Almighty has commanded the Muslim governments to provide social help to people and this principle has in fact been adopted by the Europeans today. Without shelter and food one's physical life cannot function and without clothing one's moral and civilized way of life cannot function. Hassan relates that Ubaidullah bin Ziyad went to Hazrat Maqal bin Yasar who was unwell at the time and inquired about his health. Upon this he replied that I shall narrate a hadith which I initially was not going to. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had stated that when Allah the Almighty appoints someone as a guardian over a people and he passes away in a state whereby he was deceiving his people then Allah the Almighty shall make heaven unlawful for him. If only the Muslim leaders were to understand this. There are countless accounts of Hazrat Umar with regards to how he strived to fulfil the rights of the people. Whilst narrating an incident in relation to this, Zaid bin Aslam relates from his father that during the days of famine, all the people of Arabia gathered at Medina. Hazrat Umar instructed the people to make the food arrangements for all these people. Hazrat Umar assigned various companions the duty to provide him with news each evening from every corner of Medina of the situation. A group of people had also gathered in the neighbourhood of the Banu Salma which lied around the outskirts of Medina. Once people had eaten in the evening, a count was taken of the people and 7,000 people had eaten that evening. Hazrat Umar then instructed for their women to also be counted and those that were ill and those who had been left behind and it totaled 40,000 who would all gather in the evening daily. After a few days, the total number reached 60,000 and all of these people remained in Medina until Allah Almighty had caused it to rain. When rain fell, Hazrat Umar told those who were appointed by him for this task to make arrangements for their return and to also provide them with mounts and food. The narrator states that he saw Hazrat Umar would personally come to see those people off and provide them with provisions with his own hands. Then the following is written in relation to how Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu would identify the rights of the people and his guidance as to how they should be fulfilled and how he maintained justice. It is said that during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, the followers of other religions were given protection by the Muslim lands and their rights were enshrined through written declarations. Hazrat Abu Bakr not only maintained their rights but he also endorsed them with his own seal and sign as well. Thus... In his era, the inhabitants of the lands which were conquered were given almost the same rights as those enjoyed by the Muslims. The words of the pact that was established with the people of Hira were as follows, that their cloisters and churches shall not be destroyed. However, the actions of the Muslims of today are such that they already are destroying the churches and the cloisters, and now they are even destroying our mosques. The pact further stated, that their cloisters and churches shall not be destroyed, nor shall any fortress be destroyed which they use to defend themselves when the enemy attacks. And the sound of blowing from the horn which they would use for the purpose of calling their people to worship shall not be banned. And they shall not be banned from displaying the cross on the occasion of their religious festivities. This is actually a very detailed pact. However, only those wordings have been quoted here which testify to the extraordinary display of religious tolerance by the Muslims and during the era of the first caliph, the rate of jizya or tax was very reasonable and only applied to those who were capable of paying it. As such, out of 7,000 inhabitants of Hira, a thousand were completely exempt from this and the rest only had to pay 10 dirhams per year. And among the conditions in the pact was that those who became elderly, disabled or destitute would be exempt from paying the jizya, and the treasury would take care of such people. Can anyone present such an example in history which was free of any kind of prejudice and had such care for the welfare of its people? Today, even if the governments provide for their people, they still do not fulfil the rights of the people as they were done in the earlier times in Islam. On one occasion, Hazrat Umar ta'ala explained the responsibilities of the leader and those under them in a narration. Hazrat Salma bin Shihab Abadi says that Hazrat Umar bin Al-Khattab said that, O people, there are certain rights that we have over you, and even in our absence you are to act in good faith, as this is our right. That is, it is the right of the government for his people to act honestly and sincerely, and to assist us in all good works. And in the eyes of Allah, patience and gentleness of a leader is more preferable and beneficial. And Allah is displeased by ignorance and harshness on part of the leader. It is the duty of a leader or the guardian to be forbearing and gentle, as opposed to being cruel and unsympathetic, because this is an act of ignorance. Hence, where the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had advised the people to remain within the degrees of the law, at the same time he advised the leaders to discharge their duties. To what extent was the Islamic government mindful of discharging the rights of the people? Abu Kabil narrates that Hazrat Amir Muawiyah had appointed a man named Abul Jaish to look after the needs of the people. And so, he would visit different gatherings and ask if anyone had a child newly born or if anyone had any guests. When he would obtain this information, he would note it down in a register and then arrange for their provisions. If only the Muslims of today took note of this and established these rights, then peace would be established through it. Instead of cutting each other's throats, they would align their sayings and their actions and exhibit the beautiful teachings of Islam. But they will never understand this until they accept the Imam of the age. May Allah the Almighty grant them wisdom and may Allah the Almighty enable us to understand these rights in accordance with the Islamic teachings and ensure we discharge the responsibilities that have been placed upon us. As I mentioned previously, from time to time I have been explaining the details of the various rights within Islam and mentioning the details of the rights of every member of society. Up until now, over the past few years, I have mentioned close to 25 different rights. Discharging these rights is the fundamental principle of every peaceful society and can guarantee to establish peace in the world. Islam is the only religion which has mentioned about how to discharge these rights in such details and guided us on this subject. Thus, every Ahmadi must bring about a pure transformation within themselves and be mindful of discharging their duties. But at the same time, there is a need to spread these teachings throughout the world. There is a need to show the world the beautiful teachings of Islam and there is a need to explain these beautiful teachings to both Muslims and non-Muslims. Hence, every one of us should understand our responsibilities and try our level best to carry them out. May Allah the Almighty enable us to do so. We will now pray. May Allah the Almighty take all the participants of the Jalsa to their homes safely and may He enable everyone to adopt everything they have learnt from here as part of their lives. Secondly, I would like to mention that the government here, although has announced that Covid has finished here in Germany, however, even in these days I have come to learn from some people that they have caught the illness. Therefore, everyone should take precautions and take the homeopathic medicines if it is not prohibited here by the government. In fact, they are not prohibited here. Therefore, everyone can take it on their own accord. May Allah the Almighty Protect everyone from this and keep everyone in his protection. And may you all safely return to your homes.
2: Please join me in silent prayer. <laughs> दूसरीने काटने के अपने कॉल फेल से इस्लाम की खुसुर ताम लोग खाने वाले हूं लेकिन इन पकल नहीं आ सकती जब तकिए जमाने के माम को मानने वाले नहीं बेंगे पताला इनको इसकी अखल बिता करें पुदाताला हमें इस्लाम की तारीम मुफ्ती वक्तों में जैसा कि मैंने बताया था हुक में उसकी तसील बता रहा हूं इस्लाम ने जिस तसील से बयान किए हैं और हर तबके के हुक बयान किए अब तक मुफ्ती सालों में 25 के करीब ये हुक ये दयगी ही वो बुनियादी सूल है जो हर पुरमन معاشرے
1: May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. I will mention the report of the attendance. The total number of women was 23,615 and the attendance of the men was 23,622. There are only six more men than the women. But I would also like to mention one thing, that the women's hall that I saw in the morning was quieter and more disciplined than the men. And even after the session as well, they were very patient. The total number of the Bli guests is 970, making a total attendance figure of 47,237. And compared to last year's attendance, in 2019 the attendance was 43,000 and now it is 47,000, a difference of
2: 4 or Mm 5,000. सब को اس سے محفوظ رکھے اور سب کو اللہ تعالیٰ اپنے حفظ و معنی رکھے اور خیریت سے اپنے گھروں کو دعا کر لیں